Hello and welcome to this episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast. I've got Catherine with me. It's been a minute. It has. It's been ages. It's, it's nice to be back. That saying. Do you? What, that it's been... It's been a minute. Or like it's been a hot minute. Is that what people yeah, say? Or maybe that's what it is. It's been a hot minute. But there <laughs> I actually don't get it. But I've said it a few times myself. And then I'm like, is, am I using this in the right context? I just say it because Chloe says it a lot and then I'm like I don't even know what that means (laughs) are you googling it yeah if it's been a hot minute since one person has seen another it's it means that it's been a long time yeah we get that but why yeah like why say a hot minute why is it hot I would have thought it would be quicker if it was hot this is a minute is one sixtieth of an hour a full 60 seconds (laughs) <laughs> oh apparently a hot minute and a new york minute are synonymous a new york minute so what's a new york minute well wikipedia is saying it's an extremely short period of time i would think that because like new york is such like a big place and like hustle and bustle that like um like you would fit a lot into a minute right oh maybe that's it well urban dictionary saying the term you, is used to describe a short-ish period of time, but not literally 60 seconds. Woman. Wo- oh, no, woman. Well, woman? <laughs> Man. Come on, we have to go. Man, just give us a hot minute to finish. To finish what? Oh, God. <laughs> Where is this going? Stop. <laughs> right, okay, let's stop with the Googling. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, I've had a pretty chilled-out morning. Um, Good, what have you yeah. done? like nothing I haven't this is like my first thing of the day today so I was like I'm gonna have a chilled out morning I was gonna like start early and do check-ins but I was like I actually need like a lion this morning and to rest so yeah so I have a question which is quite personal but does Hannah still get up at like five or four yeah she still gets up at four and do you just stay in bed so I remember when she like first started getting up at four her alarm went off and you know like the iPhone alarm is like yeah yeah right so that was like her alarm so every morning it woke me up as well and it scared me like it scared the shit out of me and I was like we need to do something about this alarm because it's like waking me up and then I can't get back to sleep so she's changed it to this like really like quiet like alarm that's like really chilled out I normally do I use the bird song alarm oh and then like no one else can really like you tune into it so like even the start of it I can hear so no one Mm. else hear it and turn it off I mean no one else all the people that actually <laughs> okay anyway moving swiftly on juicy so you've had a nice morning that's good I've also had a lovely morning we were just saying before we came on um I have loved this week and I was looking at it and I was like it's no different than any other week but interestingly last week I did not love and the oh difference was last week was PMS right that makes a lot it, of sense it's mad that it makes such I know that like this is literally I don't how long have I been having periods now I don't know like 20 no not 20 well, I don't know maybe anyway like but, 15 yeah, maybe, years at least 15 to 20 years and yet I'm still like this is mind-blowing every time I'm like how does it impact your mood so much but I had exactly the same stuff on last week and I was like I feel a bit stressed I feel a bit overworked I'm not loving every second of it and then this week I'm like I love absolutely everything it's kind of like 
our bodies like almost forget the <laughs> like the negative experience right it's like like pain as well like I find that like so I get quite bad period pains and like when it happens I'm like this is the worst thing ever I need to like do something about this and then the next like couple of weeks roll by and I'm like oh I feel great again and it's almost like a euphoric feeling and it's like well okay like I know it was temporary it it stopped and now I feel better again you almost forget about it or like your mind like like blanks out I think that's probably an evolutionary advantage because the same I think you do forget about pain like you forget how bad it was like I remember having horrendous tooth pain when I think back now I'm like I remember it was bad but like you have no concept of actually how bad it was same with like childbirth I think like people can like look back and think yeah that was awful and remember I mean not for everyone but for a lot of people but they'll never actually fully remember the amount of pain that they were in and that's probably like a protective thing so that you would still live your life and do the things you 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 don't live in this like fear I can't remember how bad my back was but I know it was bad maybe it was the amount of drugs I was on who knows (laughs) don't remember (laughs) most of that period of time I'm glad you're feeling better this week though and like love and yeah. life that's good yeah but that so the thing I was thinking about this morning is I was like last week I was like right I need to change some things about my life I was like I probably need to cut back on the hours that I work or maybe I need to take more time off or maybe I need like a holiday or maybe I need to I don't know I was like convinced that I needed to change something and then this week I'm like oh no I don't want to change anything I really love the way that things are but I guess that brings you to like a rule I have for myself is like don't make decisions during that week same with like don't make decisions after like 8 p.m or something because then never like your best decisions right you've been making decisions all day tends to be when you text your ex order random stuff on the internet like do stuff that you your rational mind or like overeat like your rational mind probably wouldn't do and I think for some people and this is partly like knowing yourself but that week before your period is is probably like a similar situation for a lot of people where you should just be like, yeah, okay, note those feelings down, but let's not act on them until mid next week and see how you feel then. And then you're like, oh no, I don't, I don't actually want to quit my job and like break out with my partner and whatever. <laughs> Extreme. <laughs> That's I, totally like the, the... At uni especially, I was like, I think I'm going to quit my job. I think I'm going to break up with my partner. And then like, the next week I'd be like, oh, I think I'm going to drop out of uni. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> I think that's like the the beauty in writing things down and like especially journaling on things. It then allows you to start seeing patterns in those thoughts and those feelings and you can then equate it to actually this might be something to do with my cycle. Um, yeah. And it's like the whole thing that we talk about, like the responding overreacting, right? Like rather than making a decision there and then, at least pause on it. And, and wait and see if like your feelings and thoughts change about that because they probably will but it's the extreme of that because normally we're like pause and wait for five seconds to see if actually you do want to eat that extra bar of chocolate or not but now we're like pause and wait for a week <laughs> to see or if your job. actually just hormonal fluctuations or not mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and then obviously because you work with so many perimenopausal women like it's even more extreme in those situations and because it's not as like it's I wouldn't say it's easy but it's a lot easier when you know what your cycle is and also if you track your cycle you can kind of be like oh I was wondering why I felt like I had such a low mood oh right it's related to where I am in my cycle probably don't need to stress about it too much whereas 
if you're fluctuating all the time, that's much harder thing to deal with. Yeah, so difficult when you don't have regular periods. And actually, I was having this discussion with one of my one-to-one clients who has PCOS and like she she won't mind me talking about it but like she she has never had regular periods before so she would maybe have like two or three periods a year Mm. and she's so based on like the dietary changes and the exercise and stuff that she's been doing over the last like nine months or so she's also been taking inositol so her periods have become more regular but what she's also noticed is a fluctuation in her mood and how she feels at like a certain time of the month and it's been difficult for her to like adjust to that because she hasn't been she's not used to it she's not used to feeling like that like once every like five or six weeks um so it's it's a big it's a big change and mm-hmm. at the time it feels very real as well it's like oh my god like everything is really bad but like obviously it doesn't take away from the fact that it feels bad at the time yeah I think that's what's so hard about it. it's like these feelings are real because feelings are just feelings, right? Like if you feel it, it's real. Yeah, it's very strange. Anyway, um, first question we have is how to deal with it when your body is letting you down? Yes, this is a question I had from one of my committed clients was, yeah, how, how, her question was like how to keep being kind to yourself when you feel like your body is letting you down. Um, and we like briefly spoke about this before we came on the podcast, didn't we? And I was like saying about like how I struggle with a like painful periods, not every month, but like most months are quite painful for me for at least like two or three days I'll be in bed. Um, and I also get ovarian cysts like every now and again, which are also painful and can last like weeks at a time. So I, like, are ovarian cysts different to polycystic ovary syndrome? I'm not sure like what the actual difference is like when you get like a cyst acute more acutely and it causes like symptoms because I don't think all the time with PCOS you can actually I don't think you always have symptoms of having a cyst there like some of the symptoms of having like a large and complicated ovarian cyst can mean that like it twists the ovary (laughs) just thinking about I'm like ow (laughs) like twists the ovary around and that's what like causes a lot of the pain sometimes is that like loss of blood circulating through the ovary so you like feel that but I don't know how different that looks in PCOS when you have like multiple maybe smaller cysts that don't cause as much like not damage but as much complication I'm not sure yeah the the definition or like the diagnosis of PCOS is so vague that yeah and it's quite interesting because you can have cysts without having PCOS as well and I actually think that I don't know if this is true but I think I wouldn't say most, but a lot of women have cysts that they would never know about. Yeah. It until they get a scan and then it's like, oh yeah, you do, but they're not impacting you and no need to worry about it. Which is so bizarre because the last time I had like really, really bad, a really ra- bad cyst was like just before Christmas and I went and got a scan, like an ultrasound scan. Um, and then the results came back like a few days later and they were like, there's nothing, like we can't see anything. I was like, but I've like, experienced like, all this pain for like three weeks and nothing has been seen in the scan I was like this is really weird um so there's like the other side of that is like actually nothing gets picked up in the diagnosis like this it's bizarre I think it's like massively under-researched have you read um Invisible Women? I've read a bit of it the issue was I actually got the book 
Oh, okay. I'm not actually reading. So yeah, I've I've read enough of it to kind of get the gist of what she's saying. And then most of it's just like examples, which is a really interesting book. Mm -hmm. I was mind blown by some of it, even just like the stuff that I'd never thought of, like the the way that people plan cities and it doesn't work in women's favours. Yeah. Do you know, I don't know why. Actually, you'll probably like this one, not like this one, but find it interesting. But that there's so little um professional female pianists because pianos are built for men that's so true like you know like if you've got smaller hands like how would you reach the right notes in the right place and stuff like even like the crash dummies in cars and and things like I don't know if it's changed now they were all designed around men it's crazy isn't it Emma you could have been like a world-class pianist that was literally the only thing holding me back I know (laughs) Aside from having absolutely no musical talent, that was it. <laughs> it's the only thing. Um, totally went off on a tangent, didn't I, by asking about that book? Um, but yeah, like the PCOS thing and the difference between that and getting like acute cystic. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure like what that actually is. I was going to do a bit of research around it. But going back to like the question, and I know that you've struggled like a bit with this, like around your back and stuff. I don't know, like, what you found to be useful? It's hard, isn't it? Like, I think we discussed this briefly on the the last episode that, like, different. it will work differently for different people, but I quite like to externalise it. Otherwise, anytime anyone asks how your day was, it was like, it's shit because I'm in pain. But I'm in pain every single day. So, like, every day is going to be shit. Whereas if I was like, I'm having a great day, but my back's not, like then I could kind of otherwise it's like yeah for the whole year I'm gonna have shit days no I'm not about that's that's not me right and I didn't I don't want it to be like that whereas on the other side like Emily made really good points about like working with your body not against your body you're working together and like she finds that's really useful of like we're a team whereas I was quite like no don't like my back you're out of the team (laughs) actually we're carrying on as we want to and it was more like I say this all the time but focusing on what you can do not what you can't do but it is so frustrating and I know that like you're kind of playing this down but like when you say you've had period pain or like bad pain with ovaries and things like it's been really bad to the extent that you couldn't go for walks because you're worried that you couldn't get home if you were if you were caught like in like a pain having a flare-up when you're out for a walk and things like that like it, yeah so how have you found that and how have you kind of dealt with that I have like I'm not gonna lie I have found it like difficult I'm not gonna pretend that like oh yeah like it was fine I found like great solutions and it was perfect using these solutions I found like I've had to be really flexible and like really adaptable to it especially over the last few months when it's kind of just been like coming and going randomly I think like first of all I've like like made sure that I've like visited the doctor when I need to go to the doctor. Like that's one of the main things is getting like the help medically for it. When it comes to training, it is frustrating because it's such like a big part of my life. And I know that other people resonate with this is that like training is such a big part of their life, whether it's because they're a coach or whether it's because they just really enjoy going to the gym or it's part of one of their massive goals that they have. Like it's difficult when that's almost like taken away from you. Right. So I think like just being flexible with that and actually being like, okay, I'm in too much pain today to actually even like think about the gym or think about the gym this week. So I'm just going to take the week off and see how I feel next week. 
And sometimes I'll have like not gone to the gym at all one week. And then the next week I maybe go like once and do a lighter session or like this week's been great. Like I've already been three times this week and like, I'm feeling good. Like I'm, I'm getting like dummy as well because I don't have that consistency. So like some weeks I'm like, oh my God, my bum is so sore after leg day. But I just like roll with it um, and try not to overdo it when it comes to training. But I also like know that I can focus a lot on like my diet right now. So I've been trying to eat more of a Mediterranean diet and that's given me like a really positive focus because that's like getting me to include like loads of different fruits and vegetables and seeds and nuts. And like, I think the other day I was like talking to Hannah and I was like, I how many plant-based foods have I had today? And I was like counting them up. I was like, oh my God, I've had like 18 in one day. <laughs> so it's just like little things like that have like really helped me actually like get through it, like focusing on what I can control, like you said. Um and like going for walks when I can and making sure that they aren't too long or too fast or anything. Mm. Um, and like, it is frustrating. Cause it, even when you, when you're like, oh yeah, I'll try and focus on what I can do, but it's like, you ha- also have less energy and being in pain is fatiguing as hell. And like, I, I, I often find I didn't want to be around people because even the most positive person, I would say I'm quite up there on the spectrum. Like if you're in pain all the time, like you're not yourself and you're not, as positive and it's way harder I think as you were talking about going and seeing your doctor one thing that I would do as well is note note down like when it's painful how it feels because this happened to me all the time where like by the time you actually get an appointment the flare-up's gone or it's not quite so bad that day for some reason like it just always seems to be the way and then you're like yeah it is pretty bad but like it doesn't look like you're an you know in excruciating pain at the time and so they can't see actually how bad it is I actually brought in my mum a few times as well because she'd like you know quite like it's quite bad and then she'd be like yeah to the point that you couldn't get onto the toilet and then I'm like yeah okay well it was really bad like blah 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 and I think sometimes having someone else kind of advocate for you as well just to remind you that it was pretty bad as well is useful that is such a good point and I'm like totally gonna do that I never like even like thought of that but I I found exactly the same thing like by the time you get a doctor's appointment you go in and you're probably feeling better like I normally do feel better because it'll be like two three weeks after the main flare-up yeah oh such a good point yeah so I mean I think it's hard because there's there's no like right or wrong and things will change all the time I think keeping a symptom diary is really useful so you can start to notice trends having something else to focus on, having other things to do, having things that are positive, whether that's like reading a book or like you can focus on business stuff or it's like a hob- another hobby that you have that has nothing to do with like being physical in some way. And then, yeah, just managing it as best you can. I think like alongside all those other things, like even I think this is something that I answered in the check-in was trying your best to use gratitude as well and even if you can focus on certain things that you're grateful for your body still doing for you because although there's maybe like one part of your body like an injury like your back Emma or me with my ovary and I always call it like my if I get a system like my twin <laughs> oh, my ovary <laughs> so it's like okay my, my twin is letting me down but like what other parts of my body are actually like working and allowing me to like make it through the day. Like, uh, I don't know. I got a cold a few weeks ago. I didn't actually get a cold a few weeks ago, but if like, you got a cold a few weeks ago and then you got better from the cold, your body has like fought off infection. Right. 
Um, so I think there's other things that you can still be grateful for, for your body doing for you. Yeah, and you can be really grateful on the days that it's not that bad. Like I remember how buzzed I was to be able to just like go for a walk and not have to keep like pausing and pretending that I was tying my shoelaces. <laughs> oh, <laughs> good times. But anyway, like after surgery, I was like, that lasted for so long. That feeling's kind of gone a little bit now. I should probably remind myself how grateful I am for that. But yeah, I think on the days that you can do even really simple stuff, you, you're so grateful for that. It's like a yeah. euphoric feeling. Yeah. yeah. And don't overdo it on those days either, especially if it's around an injury. Yeah. 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 Okay. Right. Suzanne, <clears throat> I read something today that said, to consider concentrating on strength rather than fat loss. I guess this would depend on the goal. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like being like, oh yeah, why don't you focus on running a marathon instead of losing fat? It's like, well, yeah, it depends on what the goal is. I think I do generally agree with like the premise of not just focusing on weight loss. I had a really good discussion with one of the girls on AFM yesterday about performance goals and we've spoken about this before but I'm pretty sure you're the same that we're we're both around maintenance like I use pull-ups as a gauge of what my body composition is it might be slightly different for you if you're if your like performance is fluctuating for other reasons but I'm like cool I know if I can do the same amount of pull-ups I'm in shape there's no way that I've got out of shape and I can still do that amount of pull-ups like it's impossible and that's a way better gauge for me now than the scales like scales really tell me nothing I've no idea I mean, I have a rough ballpark figure of what I might weigh, but it's kind of irrelevant. And once you've not weighed for a while, it's even more irrelevant because you're like, I don't know what the difference between today and yesterday was. Or if I stepped on the scales and I weighed 65 kilograms versus 60 kilograms, I'm like, well, I was happy before I stepped on the scale. So why would that impact anything anyway? Like, why is it important to me? It's not. So I think having performance markers is really useful. I think saying to people just focus on strength is a bit like if someone's come to us for fat loss and we're like, cool, Julie, but what we're going to do is get your bench press up. Like, okay, but I actually wanted to lose fat. Like it's not relevant. Now, if you fall in love with strength training in the process, which a lot of people do, then yeah, maybe you do focus on strength goals. And especially if they're, strength to body weight ratio type goals like doing your first push-up or doing your first pull-up or how much you can squat compared to your body weight they're really telling like I don't know anyone who's getting better at pull-ups but is overweight and isn't losing weight like that would be ridiculously impressive <laughs> if they yeah, were I mean they're stronger right yeah you've somehow got wildly stronger without yeah so it, it just it just doesn't really happen and it's a more positive focus, like, wow, look at the incredible things my body can do versus let's just tear my body down and make it as small as possible. So I think it's a positive focus. But I think as with most things in on social media, like it requires the context. And it's also fine to have numerous goals and numerous focuses and numerous ways of measuring your progress. Like we certainly wouldn't just be like, just focus on scale weight. But if fat loss is your goal, yes, we are going to take that data because it's useful data for us. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with all those points. I think like that, especially like the positive focus there, I think mm -hmm. that that helps when all you're potentially looking at before was like making yourself smaller and lighter. Like, is, is there something else that we can work on where you're actually like, I don't know, like adding to what you can do or what your body is capable of? Um, I think like another point is that 
the things that you focus on when you're trying to build muscle and strength, a lot of those overlap with the things that we're trying to get you to do. So the actions that we're trying to get you to do when it comes to fat loss. So for example, like training regularly, even though it's not directly fat loss, we would get you doing that anyway. We would get you trying to eat more protein than you were doing before. So like four or five servings of 20 to 30 grams a day or trying to aim for a hundred grams a day. Those things help with fat loss, uh, help with fat loss, but they also help with muscle building as well. And the other things that we know that are important for muscle building are like rest. So if you can get enough rest, get enough sleep, that's going to help when it comes to like the psychological side of, of like eating less calories. Cause we know that when you sleep less, you also end up craving more food. Your like hunger goes up, your appetite goes up if you don't sleep as much. So if you put a focus on resting for performance, then that will help with fat loss side of things. So I think there's like that overlap in the habits that we're getting you to do. Um, yeah. I think it's quite similar to where people are like, should I lose fat first and then build muscle? Or should I like do it at the same time? It's like, honestly, you're going to have to do the same things anyway. Like the only real difference is how many calories that you're consuming. And why not, you know, like it's going to take ages to build muscle anyway. If you've got a lot of fat to lose, lose fat at the same time. Like, and like you're saying, the behaviors are the same. It's just the total amount of calories that you'd be consuming are slightly different if you were focusing on just building muscle or just building strength versus losing fat at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I do think that where your focus is, is important. This is why I think a couple of episodes ago, it might be like 10 episodes ago now, I was talking about how if you just focus on improving your mood, then it becomes much easier to then lose fat. And that's partly because when you're in a better mood, it's much easier to take care of yourself, to invest in yourself, whether that's time, money, effort, whatever, and to do the behaviors that will help you lose body fat. But the behaviors that increase your mood are also kind of the same behaviors that are going to help you lose body fat, right? Like it's get out for a walk because being outside will improve your mood. It's exercise because we know exercise will improve your mood. It's fueling your body with healthy, nutritious food because we know that will improve your mood. Kind of the same things that you need to do to take care of your diet in regards to whatever your body composition goal is. And eat enough protein because that's going to help with tryptophan and serotonin levels and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, all of these things kind of link together. But if you're focusing on, right, I'm going to do these things because I want to feel good. Sometimes that's a much nicer approach than just like, I need to eat less to lose body fat, which can feel quite restrictive. Yeah, we're all about like the health and well-being side of things, aren't we? So the mood side of things, but then also the health of building more muscle is actually like beneficial to your long-term health, especially with like the the like clients that we work with who come to us who are maybe like coming into perimenopause and stuff. We know that like building more muscle is like amazing for health. It's one of the best things you can do for your health. So that tied in with mood is like a winning recipe. Yeah agreed okay right next question which has five likes on it from rachel she says i have a follow-up question from the other week you were talking about gaining 30 pounds during your like around back surgery and how the first half came off relatively easy and the second half took about a year i've come to realize that it will take me potentially a year to get to where i want to be i wanted to ask what was that like for you what was your consistency like did you keep cutting calories? How did you stay on track? 
Did you feel like you missed out on treats? Did your motivation ebb and flow throughout the year? And basically, what did you learn during that year about fat loss that you can share with us? This is a great question. Um, Once you achieved your goal weight, how did you stay there and did it fluctuate? Thanks. Right. So I think I mentioned this when I was speaking about it before, because I think one of the points I wanted to make is I started and ended my diet doing exactly the same thing. Like there was no need to change anything. And I think people assume that at a certain point you'll need to drop calories. Now, for some people, that's true, but they're actually usually the exception, not the rule. If you just stick to something that's working for you, and as an example of this, I think I ate about 15 to 1600 calories. I say that as a ballpark figure because I tracked initially for about a week and then I didn't track, but I just made adjustments as I needed. Bearing in mind, I know roughly how many calories are in most foods, so it didn't need to be spot on and it was working, right? So initially, when I weighed 30 pounds more, that would have been quite a big deficit, hence why the weight came off so quickly. And then as I got leaner, that deficit would have become smaller. Now, what a lot of people do is try and maintain the same size of deficit. Let's say I started on a 600 calorie deficit a day. They would try and maintain that as they got to become smaller people and thus their basal metabolic rate went down and they'd need to keep lowering their calories. I didn't do that, nor would I suggest that most people do. You just have to accept that rate of weight loss will be slower. If I did that, I'd probably end on like 1200 calories, maybe 1100 calories, which is completely unsustainable for me. So you just have to accept that when you have less fat to lose, fat loss is gonna slow and that's fine and that's part of the process, but you'll be becoming leaner and leaner. Um, In regards to consistency, I'm pretty good with consistency. So I would say it's pretty good. I mean, I had holidays during that time. I can't remember exactly what I was doing. I mean, it was like kind of coming out of pandemic, definitely had like trips to London. I don't think I went anywhere. I'm not sure we were allowed to go anywhere abroad at that time. I don't think so. So maybe part of the consistency was helped by the fact that we were in lockdown. But remember that consistency isn't every single day as well. It's like on average, I stuck to those things. Would there have been days where I ate more? Absolutely. But I didn't react to them. I was just like, okay, cool. And then the next day I just carry on as I am. Great. I didn't do a lot of like, oh, I ate too much that day. I'll try and cut back the next day. And there was no like, I need to do this by this certain date. It was more just to prove to myself post-surgery that, oh, wait, you can get back in that shape. Okay, cool. Done that. Tick the box ongoing I then increased my calories and I then put on a little bit of weight but I wanted to I just wanted to get really lean to be like oh I can still do it cool and I still have abs great and now I'll I'll get back to like where I want to sit comfortably and does my weight fluctuate I can almost guarantee that it does I don't weigh myself because as we said at the start it's pretty irrelevant to me now but I can always do 10 pull-ups and at the point where I can't do 10 pull-ups then I'm like, mm, should probably look at my diet a little bit, unless I'm like ill or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What have you found around maintenance that like you maintain roughly your physique most of the year, right? Yeah, I would say that like I maintain it. I so when I when I first started working on commit to six, you were my coach. And I remember like my goal then was fat loss. And I got like I got quite lean at that point. I'm definitely not as lean as I was then, but that's because the trade-off for me wasn't worth it. I like wanted to be able to like go out at the weekend and like socialize and have a little bit more calories. So 
like I'm sitting pretty much around the same weight. Like I would, I don't weigh myself at the minute, but I think if I was to weigh myself, I'd probably be like somewhere between 60 and 62 kilos. So it's like my weight at the minute, but with main, I don't really like, I don't think about it a lot. I think it's just because like I sit in like a routine and I enjoy the things that I do in my routine and I eat the same types of food all the time. Um, with the exception of like my recent change to like having a Mediterranean diet, which if anything is probably going to like reduce the amount of calories that I'm eating potentially. Um, but yeah, what was, what was actually your question there? Cause it's totally just gone out my well, mind. I guess like just discussing maintenance, I'd say that's the point of maintenance is that you kind of stop thinking about it after a while. Mm-hmm. And what does happen to me all the time at certain times of year is like, I don't know, something in my life will change slightly. Like recently I've taken on way more calls for AFM. So I'm sat down a bit more. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, let's see what happens to my physique. If it changes, then I'll need to change what I'm doing. Like, that's just life though. Like you get a new job or you have a baby or you move somewhere and now you're way closer to the gym. So you're not getting as many steps in and then you just adjust as you need to that's the whole point of maintenance and that's why we teach you these things and that's why there's the ongoing support so that when life changes which it inevitably will we can help you adjust what you're doing to make sure that you maintain the physique that you want or you might decide oh it used to be really important to me to stay in shape all the time like I used to say absolutely shredded all year round and for some reason weird values that I had at the time like that was very important to me right probably because I put way too much of my self-worth on the way that I looked but now I'm like that's less important to me so it doesn't matter to me so much and I would say now that my physique is a byproduct of how I want to live versus how I live being driven towards like looking a certain way so I think and and the reason that I go to the gym in the morning is not really to look a certain way or to build I mean like I mean there's all the benefits of like health and building muscle and stuff but I show up better if I've exercised and I enjoy going and I go with my flatmate and it gets me out in the morning and then I sit down start work at quarter past nine and like I'm ready to go I'm ready to give to other people for the day I'm in a better mood I've got more energy those are the reasons that I exercise now now previously I had a completely different motivation for exercise so all these things will change as like you grow as a person and your goals change and your life changes and I think that is what life is. It's just like learning and growing all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point. It's like you're making these things fit into, you You want your life to look like that and then your body is just a byproduct of that. Mm. I think that's such a good point. And it, like as part of that, you're also then not swinging from one extreme to another. You're sitting within like a nice comfortable range somewhere in the middle and you never really kind of like stray outside those to the extreme of like, training loads and loads and loads or like not walking at all and eating just whatever you want like you're sitting in that nice place there and you feel good and that's what we want for anyone that does commit to six it's not to stay at your quote-unquote goal weight for like the rest of your life it's to be able to make adjustments when you need right The, the reason we say it's the last night you'll ever need isn't because you'll maintain the exact results that you get at the end it's because you'll have the ability to be like oh I've put on three or four pounds I'm not going to diet back down or jump on a diet or anything I'm what I'm going to do is just going to make tweaks to what I'm currently eating or view have like a bit of an overview of what I'm doing at the moment what's changed am I moving less have I stopped going to the gym like oh no actually it's that I'm now having three beers on a Friday when I didn't used to drink at all okay like do I want to change that do I want to make 
amendments in other areas of my life so that I can still enjoy that or do I want to have one beer or you know then you can make those choices but instead of thinking I need to you know instead of basically instead of waiting until you put on 10 pounds and then being like god I need to do another diet again you get three or four pounds up and you're like, oh, okay this is getting a little bit uncomfortable I prefer to be a little bit leaner than this I'll just make some tweaks and honestly after like two or three weeks you're probably like oh yeah back to where about about where I wanted to be and then you stop this horrible yo-yo cycle that you beat yourself up and then let yourself go massively and then have to put a load of effort in to get back to where you wanted to be it's just you're fluctuating around that area that you like to sit and honestly at different times of year it'll probably be different I'm probably a couple of um, pounds heavier in the winter again kind of depends what I'm doing though like if I'm in Mexico doing 20,000 steps a day in the heat like no I'm I'm normally not a couple of pounds heavier if I'm here and it's freezing and I really want to go outside and my steps are a bit lower and I'm eating more kind of like comfort type food yeah probably will be a bit heavier in in the winter but it's not to the extent of like 10 pounds up here and then 10 pounds down and then like yo-yoing up and down it's just little tweaks here and there yeah I think the one of like the key aspects of commit to six or the coaching that we do with our one-to-one clients is that we like teach people how to like monitor that and like catch themselves out when their habits change because you're frequently like checking in with not just like a coach but with yourself as well and I don't think most people do that most people will float through life and let things happen to them whereas actually on this program we teach you to like catch yourself out on that and like look at what your habits are and be like okay these things I don't want to be doing and I feel this way so I'm going to make these changes based on that and I want to feel better or I want to like lose a couple of pounds I think that's like one of the key aspects that is like makes this like such an important factor in people's lives I think we forget that sometimes or I certainly do because like now that we surround ourselves with other people that are like oh yeah I check in with myself like I I realize my traits or like I observe myself and I have a coach or I journal and you kind of just expect that everybody does have it. Actually, 99% of people still don't do that. It's just the 1% of commit to six people that do. I saw a quote that you shared the other day. I think it was like a, a memory and it was like, what's for you will go by you. Yeah. I love that, right? Because I've always hated the quote, what's for you won't go by you. I'm like, it can will if you're just like a passive observer of your life. Like, if you want something, go for it. If you don't like something in your life, change it because no one's coming to it for you. And it absolutely will go by you. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. life will go by you if you don't take some action. And I think that that comes from like observing things and, and questioning your life and questioning like, what are the aspects I do like? What don't I like about this? You only get one life. Like I had a big chat with my mom about, about, not exactly about this. And actually the topic wasn't this, but this is what I took from it anyway. But it was kind of about taking more risks. She was like, you need to take more risks. You're young. You only get one life, that kind of thing. And I just think it's so spot on. Like what often the, when you catastrophize it, like the worst thing that could happen is you end up back where you are. And actually the riskiest thing you can do with the one life that you have is not take risk because mm-hmm. you're just going to regret it. And like, I don't know, when you when you like take a bigger picture view of it and stuff and you're like wow actually and I'll speak from like massive privilege here not that I've not worked hard for the privilege but I'm pretty comfortable right a lot of the risks that I take aren't going to be 
Like it's not like I'm going to end up homeless or something. But I think that a lot of people, when they get security, get comfortable as opposed to using the security to be like, great, I've got this like baseline of like, I'm always going to have my flat. Like I won't go homeless. Let's take some risks now. But a lot of people just do almost the opposite of like, oh, now I'm really comfortable. I'll just potter along here, which is if that's the way you want to live your life, this is not me being judging in the slightest, then that is freaking great. It's not the way I want to live my life. So I need to remind myself of that and be like, right, like what's next? What's the challenge? Like, how are you going to push yourself a little bit? What risks can you take? If you're like, oh no, it sounds like I'm really happy where I am. Freaking great. Don't change anything, right? Like don't take this advice. But if you want more from, or maybe not even more, like if you want something different, then yeah, remind yourself that it's probably never going to be a right time. And that the risks you didn't take are normally the ones that, you regret the most as opposed to the ones that you took and like didn't work out but that's just life what's that research that I'm sure there was some research done it was like they asked a certain age group who were like elderly did you regret oh what is it like did you regret more like the things that like the the risks that you took and they maybe didn't work out or did you did you regret the things you didn't do that you decided not to do like I think most people then said actually it was the regret of not doing things that I regret the most is that a good way of explaining yeah, yeah, it yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's exactly right it's like the there's that article like the regrets of the dying and it's like I wish I'd taken more risks I wish I'd worked less I wish I'd spent more time doing xyz and I wish I'd tried this or tried that it's not like oh I really wish I hadn't gone on that I don't know amazing trip to Bali like I just wish that I'd saved more money and and I don't know or a house a year earlier or something like and then there's a really good book called die with zero which is an absolute extreme of this but makes really good points about how most of us are programmed to like save for retirement so we save as much money as possible when we're young and usually when we're not actually making very much money and when we've got health and usually time in which to do fun stuff right so the example they use is like you should take a loan. They say like, take a loan from your future self. I mean, from the bank realistically, but from your future self to go to Australia in your gap year, or like, I don't know, go traveling every year when you have your break from uni, when you're skin as a student, but like- Gap year, gap year. But they're like, create a ton of debt because your future self can pay for that when your earning potential is much higher. And it kind of makes sense because you're like, yeah, well, I'm working in this bar- as a student making whatever an hour whereas hopefully when you're older and you're an executive at some big business or whatever that's then you've got loads of money but what you don't have is time whereas before you had use and time to go and do really fun things but you're wasting all of it working in a job that you don't enjoy anyway that isn't paying you very much money anyway that whole thing is like spend your money so that you die with zero do you think that that like thought it, I mean, it does but do you think that thought like massively changes if you have like kids for example because then like part of your future or like your savings is actually going towards like not if you're your Hannah <laughs> have you had this discussion what do you mean <laughs> oh, what, do you remember when we all went for breakfast in Manchester oh yeah yeah and Hannah was like, I don't believe in inheritance. 
oh yeah because then we were yeah yeah I remember that conversation yeah. oh I'm gonna have to have this conversation yeah no I was gonna podcast. say go and have that conversation <laughs> okay. like I can't I get where she was coming from I think most people want to leave something to their kids but I also think like the biggest gift you're giving to your kids is like while you're alive and like the impact you have on them then and like I've already got a ton from my parents not not financially like of like you know whatever I'll be left when they go but like the support that they've given me throughout my life is like way more impactful than anything they could ever leave me and I would rather and I think most people would rather like I'd rather my parents had the best time for however long they live and mm-hmm. as much money as possible the thing is that comes and this is a big discussion I had about this book it comes with the assumption that to have a good time you need to spend more money and I'm like they don't really like spending money like there's nothing that they're like oh we're not going to do that because it's too expensive I don't think they have that mentality but it's like also remember that not everyone gets a lot of joy from going on lavish holidays or like being really flash with stuff like I don't know I think it yeah it's an interesting concept that there is this underlying thing of like well yeah if you want to live a good life then you should spend all your money it's like well most of the stuff I get joy from like we were talking about at the start like I this week is a completely normal week for me I probably spend not very much money in the slightest but I absolutely love it and the joy that I get is like the funny stuff that I do with my flatmate or I don't know just mess around like and like the calls that I do and getting to do this podcast and stuff like it's got nothing to do with how much money I've spent mm-hmm. yeah yeah I would far rather spend that time with my parents than like I'll, yeah. I'll be able to spend more time with my parents than like say get an inheritance for example yeah 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 mm. interesting okay well we'll have to come back to answer the rest of the questions <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a great chat anyway thank you very much yeah. for your time and your brain and if anyone's listening and wants to sign up to next commit to six intake it starts on Monday, which is very exciting. So oh my gosh, if you're listening as this comes out, you've got a couple of days to sign up. If you want to talk to me, there is a link in the show notes that you can click. If you know anyone who might be interested, please do send them the last podcast because I talk a lot about Commit 6 on that. And know that I am always happy to chat to anyone. And if we're not the right people, I will send you to someone who is. Love Thanks, you, bye. guys. Bye.